Good morning, Avenue Church. I got to tell you, I'm like, oh, I got to the end of that song, and I was like, oh, I got to dial it back. I can't sing that loud. I'm not going to have any voice left. Uh, man, I just want to say thank you to the worship team. Give them a hand for giving us some, bringing the Holy Spirit into the room this morning. I mean, it just fires me up. I'm fired up, people, let me tell you. I mean, I just... God's really put a word on my heart today, and I want to bring it to you, and I want to bring it all the way, but I'm so excited to be here. I just want to tell you how grateful I am to be able to stand up here again. Uh, if you were here last fall, I got to do one last fall. It was awesome, and I just was, uh, Dave said, hey, would you be? Yes. I mean, I was so excited to have the opportunity to be back. I just wanted to tell you how grateful I am for the leadership at this church. I am so grateful for Dave and Brandon and Jess and James and that I could literally name almost everybody sitting in this room, my family, my friends, people who have come to visit, who have all spoken into my life and supported me in this journey to get to a place where I have the honor and the privilege of standing up here and just sharing with you what God's been putting on my heart. Because I'll tell you right now, from the drop, you ready? I'm, gonna, I'm the honesty guy. You want, you want the real honesty? You want the truth or you want it sweet? I'm going to give you the truth. Ready? I am not always good at this, but God's still working on me. Amen? Right? So if you're like me and you go like, man, some days I do it good, some days I do it bad, guess what? There is grace and mercy and love for that, and God's good, and he continues to teach us and grow us in it and through it. So I am grateful to be here, and I am excited for what God can do in our hearts and minds when we, number one, when we make room right? So I specifically asked for that song because I'm like, God, I need you to make room. I need you to make room in this space. I need you to make room in my heart, and I need you to make room in my mind because that is where we're going to be going. I'm so excited about starting off a brand new series of In My Feelings. We are going to be swimming a little deeper than you're used to, maybe, maybe getting out a little further into the water where your toes can't touch, and it feels a little less safe than it does sometimes, and you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about some stuff you don't normally talk about in church, but guess what? I think that's why we need to talk about it, because there are things that maybe don't get talked about in the church. We're going to talk about feelings, emotions, mental health, personal health, and today we're going to talk about the way that your mind works and the way that God wants to renew your mind and fix your mind on him. Because if we don't fix our thoughts, okay, fix our focus on God, then we've given the enemy free reign in our lives. Okay, so we're going to go there today, and this series is going to be fantastic. We've got other communicators coming, well, lots of different points of view. It's like a Rubik's Cube. You just keep turning it over. There's more things to look at. You're like, oh my gosh, this goes another way. So I'm really excited. So if you will, please pray with me. We'll ask the Holy Spirit to fill this and just to give me his words to speak into you, and then we're going to roll. You ready to go? All right, let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for being in this room. I pray that you would just... Just fill the hearts of your people. Open our minds. Help us to make room for you in our minds so that we can set aside the traditions, the things that we learned in the past, the religious things that we were told were true, and we can open our minds to the truth of your word so that you can change us. Lord, we are thank you. And in, before we even begin, I give you grace and gratitude and honor God for all that you are already doing and you are doing, will do, and will continue to do in our hearts and in our minds all along the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are going to get going. So today, I, I'm, 
I couldn't do like points, like, you know, point one, point two. But what I got to do is I've got to bring some layers, okay? Because this thing, we're going to be talking about your thinking today and how God wants to fix your focus. So I have an alternative title for the sermon. Any country music fans in the house? Guy named Dirks Bentley? Yeah. I know what I was feeling, but what was I thinking? Okay. So if you get caught up in your feels and you allow your feelings to control your thinking, then your feelings are controlling your actions, and then we are given over to ourselves and not submitted to the Holy Spirit. And that is a problem. So we're going to break it down. I want to say hello to our online audience. Anybody watching from online is so grateful to have you here. My name is Aaron Tomhave. I am not Dave D. Francesca. He's way better looking and more trendy than I am. Uh, but I am wa- I'm honored to be here uh, in his place while he is out of town and grateful for it. So let's start at the very beginning. When you reach a point where you are ready to receive Jesus Christ, you receive salvation. Okay? And we get salvation first. It is an instantaneous thing. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord and believes in their heart, they are saved. It is instantaneous. Then there is deliverance. Okay? You get saved, you receive, you start walking the path out, and you go, I need to be delivered from something. Maybe it's a habit, it's a thinking process, it's a bad behavior, whatever it is. And you pray and you pray and you pray and God can, he can bring you out of that sometimes really quickly, right? Uh, I had a friend who was like, I was a smoker and I prayed about it and suddenly the thought of smoking made me sick to my stomach. It was just done. He was delivered from it, okay? But then there's a third layer of tearing down of strongholds. See, a stronghold is not fast. A stronghold is a military embattlement that has been built in your heart and your mind through your experiences, and it is assembled brick by brick by brick, and it must be destroyed brick by brick by brick. This is work, people, okay? This is the deeper work, the further way to go, but it is so worth it. So let's take a look. 2 Corinthians 10.4. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Here's where I messed it up about eight weeks ago. I told you I'm going to be honest. I went through a stretch here in the spring where it was like, man, my thinking suffered. Then my behavior suffered. And my emotional health suffered. Because this is what I forgot. The battle in my mind is not a mental battle alone. Let me say it again. The battle in my mind is not mental alone. It is mental and it is spiritual. Oh, but thank you, Lord. We have spiritual weapons that we can fight against the enemy who wants to throw things into our mind. But if we are not protected, they will stick. The flaming arrows of the enemy will stick in our minds and light it on fire. And if he's got a stronghold in you that has been built in your past, boy, he has easy and quick access. So if you've ever been someplace where you're like, man, you walk out of a service and you're like, man, I'm fired up. And about three days later, you find you're right back where you were. And you just feel like the enemy is just shooting and shooting and shooting things at you, throwing it in your face, saying, hey, all those things that you were singing, those aren't really for you. Maybe you have a stronghold in your mind that says that you don't deserve to receive it. You're right. 
We don't deserve to receive it. By God's grace and mercy, we receive it. Because of what he has done, we receive it. See, this is a spiritual battle with spiritual weapons in our mind, which means I have a problem. My experiences have not all been good. My history, my past, my experiences tell me one thing. And the church, the pastor, whoever's speaking tells me something different. And it's like, but this is what it looks like in my mind. And he's like, no, God's grace and mercy are new every morning. That's not how I feel. So we need to go from where you are to where God wants you to be, not from where you are to where you think you should go. So we're going to take this apart a little bit because we need the Holy Spirit to dwell within us and to activate that. Because there are some things, so my wife and I, uh, God bless her, she's here, we've been together for a really, really long time, okay? 24 years we've known each other, and she will say, when blank happens, you do blank, right? When this happens, you get defensive. When this happens, you get angry, and I don't even know it not even really aware of it. It's underneath it all. That right there is a sign of a stronghold. You can't even think about it consciously. It just happens. It is a default behavior and response that is damaged in your mind and in your heart. You need healing, folks. You need healing. You don't, know, you don't just need a Bible verse. You need God, the healer, through the power of the Holy Spirit to come inside of you and heal your mind. Because if you don't, you're fighting a battle with no weapons. And it's so easy to forget. So easy to forget because I'll go, no, God, I got this. I got this. It's my mind. I'm going to deal with it. Nope. That's why we have to surrender our mind and our heart and our thinking. And then, this is a big one for me, and I think this is a big one for you too because we've talked about it and you've said it from up here, Jess. You can't dwell on the failure. Okay? God doesn't say I'm going to expose your sins so you can focus on those. He says, no, no, no. I'm going to expose your sins so I can forgive you I can heal you, and I don't dwell on that. I release it, and I focus on the gratitude that God loves me, and he cares for me, and he's healing me, and he's working it out every single day, one step at a time, one brick at a time, as this thing gets torn down over time because God is good and gracious and loving, and I have to receive that and not get frustrated with myself when it doesn't go fine because there are times we're out of habit. I'm going to pick the brick back up and put it right back on the stronghold and be like, I'll get that one later because that's where it belongs, because that's what's normal to me. A stronghold be can become normal. So then it feels really awkward to tear it down. So I'm going to give you some tools today that you can deal with some of the things that are going on in your mind. The first one I want to give you is to lift your eyes. Lift your eyes. So let's put this up there. Hebrews 12, 2. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, 
disregarding its shame, now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. If you slow that down for just a second, Jesus was the champion before he was crucified. He initiated before he was crucified. He perfected it through this process, and now he is seated on the throne. And we get to have a relationship with him. I'm a friend of the king, and his spirit lives in me. I am not alone. I am not weak because he is in me. It is not about me. It's about him. Now, let's look at Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. If you are looking around you for the thing that's going to solve your problems, what are you looking at? You're looking at the creation. I need you to look at the creator. I need you to look up. I need you to lift your eyes. I need you to look at the Lord and say, Lord, you made it all. You have it all. You own it all. I'm just here taking up space, living in your gifts and grace. It's yours. I need your help. Man, I don't know about you, but sometimes that feels humiliating, not like humility. It doesn't feel like humble. It feels like humbled right? Sometimes it is hard to lower yourself and say, God, I can't do this. Because see, the world around us tells us to do what? They say, stand up tall. Be proud of yourself. I'm going to get mine. And God says, ain't nothing yours. Nothing's yours. It's all his. I'm going to loan it to you because I'm gracious and I'm good. But I have to fix that thought, that it is not mine and it's not about me. It is his. It's all about him. And I have to choose that thought every single day. It is not easy because it's not natural. In the natural, I want to focus on me. In my flesh, I want to focus on what I can do. And I want to, I'm going to be upset because I screwed it up. But I don't have to listen to that anymore. But man, I've got to choose that. And that decision is hard every single morning. Like when I was sitting down looking over my notes for this sermon last night. Because I'm standing, I know, I, you know, like I'm projecting and I'm going, I know I'm going to be standing up there. Don't screw it up. This is an opportunity. Don't screw it up. And, uh, and Dave called me and he was like, just go up there and do what God told you because it's not about me. So if you walk out of here and all you remember is me, then I have failed because it ain't about me. But it is about me sharing with you what God's been doing in me so that you can see what it looks like to try to walk it out because I'm trying to walk it out. I'm trying to walk it out every single day and I'm doing the best that I can, but there is grace and mercy for that too because there are gaps so we want to look to Jesus all day, every day, because here's the thing. I cannot rely on my own vision to see truth. Let me say it again. I cannot rely on my own vision to see truth. I can see perspective, but I can't see truth. Only God knows truth. So somebody does something to me that I don't like. What do I do? 
I immediately associate with my past and my experiences and my beliefs that come from that, and I hold it against it, and I go, hey, that person looked at me crooked. They must be rude, obnoxious, disrespectful, Is it the truth? No. No, it's only what I see. God sees what man, God does not see what man sees. We see the outside. God sees the heart. So then do I look and I go, okay, boy, Brandon didn't even like seem excited to see me today. He did. He did. But if he didn't, do I think, man, what did I do to Brandon? No. Because God says, hey, there's something going on in Brandon that you can't see. So then love Brandon through the challenge, not because it's easy, but it's because what God does for us. And there is power in that. By being a conduit of the grace that we've already received, you have to receive it, and then you can offer it. Pastor James did a great job. We have received mercy, we offer mercy. We have received grace, we offer grace. And if you don't, you're holding on to the things, you're holding on to the shackles that you know and that you are comfortable with because you are afraid to let go of what you know for the love and the joy and the peace that you don't yet. And it's scary. It's hard to let go of what I know. It's hard to let go of what trauma did to me in the past. It's hard to let go of the things that I understand for the things that I don't. Yeah, I'm going to give you peace that passes all understanding. It says you can't understand it. But I sure try. I sure try to figure it out. I got to figure it out first. God says, no, no, you can't figure it out let me give it to you and just receive it, and I'll do the rest. Let's go to Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Why do we look to God? Because my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. I want to look to him because his thoughts aren't my thoughts. I don't want to replace my thoughts with more of my thoughts. That's what I did. I'm going through a lot of transitions in my life right now. A lot. My daughter just graduated from high school going to Texas A&M. Whoop. My son turned 16, got a driver's license and a car. Whoo. I changed jobs to a new school, new district. A lot of new people, a lot of new things, a lot of transition. And I, I allowed my mind to, so here's what I heard. God told me to be still and know I'm God, and I didn't hear the second half. So I tried to be still and make room, and then I left it empty. You know what's going to happen when there's a vacuum and a void in your mind. Who's going to fill it? One of two people are going to fill it, me or the enemy. Because unless I invite and I ask God to fill it, I'm leaving it open to attack. And that's what I did. So then I, I gave myself over to the thinking of myself and the world so that I had completely let go of all the things that I know. And I had to get all the way back down to the bottom where I could confess to my wife, man, this is what's really going on in my head right now. I don't even know where it's coming from. And then God said to me, I'm going to help bring you out of it, but only if you share it with my people. And that was before I knew that I was preaching. 
See, because God is gracious enough to show me before I knew that I was supposed to tell you. Because I think this is something that we walk through all the time as believers. And it's the struggle every single day where sometimes it looks really good on the outside. And it looks good when we're in church. But when we walk out that door, it gets hard. Life can be very hard and be frustrating. There will be challenges and there's concern and there's sadness. And there is loss and chaos and all those kinds of things outside that door. And if we are not filled and protected before we walk out that door, we are exposed to the attacks of the enemy. And he will take his shots. But I need to be able to deflect them with my faith. So I'm going to teach you about a person. The lady's name is Ruby Payne. So if you, in education, you've heard of Ruby Payne? Okay, so I got to go to a conference last fall, and this blew my mind. You'll love this. Ruby Payne says, there are three visual levels. When you are looking down, the part of your brain that does emotions gets more blood flow and more electricity. When you are looking level, the part of your brain that processes visual information gets more blood and more electricity. And when you look up, then it becomes more logic. You've seen this. Sports team winning. What do they look like? Yeah! Yeah! Then the game starts to turn against them. What do you see? Here's what, here's what got me. You ready? Who designed that? Who designed that response? She's not a Christian person doing Christian research. She's an educator and a psychologist. She just found what God did in you. And what did he tell you? Lift your eyes. Ruby Payne says, get your eyes up. Are you feeling in your feelings? Are you feeling all down? Are you getting all your junk stirred up? You got to stop what you're doing and lift your eyes. Why? Because God made us that way. He put it in us to seek him and find him. And then we don't have to rely on what we feel because my feelings aren't true. They can be real, but they're not true. Should I be afraid to stand up here. My body says, yeah. <laughs> Told you I'm going to be honest. But what does God say? God says, no. Now you don't have to be afraid because I'm with you and I'm in you and I will speak to you and I will speak through you. And that's not just because I'm up here. That's because you're all out there too. Because you're going to walk out the door and you're going to go to your jobs. You're going to your houses and God says, speak through. Let me speak through you. Wherever you go, in everything that you do. So fix, fix, or lift your eyes. Excuse me, lift your eyes. I lift my eyes to the hills. Next thing I need to do, it's all right. God is in me, God is with me. He, we want to make room in my mind so he can replace it with his thoughts. I'm going to lift my eyes to the hills so that I can see where my help comes from. I'm going get, to get, get out of my fields. I'm going to get up and get my eyes on God because he is the source of what we need. And then I'm going to fix my thoughts. Say it with me. Fix my thoughts. Man, this is hard because you gotta get, you got to be real and you have to be able to say, God, my thoughts are broken. My thinking patterns are damaged. I need you to fix them. 
I need you to repair the brokenness in my heart and in my mind and heal it so that I can fix my thoughts on you. 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Why? Because can we see the truth? No. We don't focus on the troubles we see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And Philippians 4, 8, and 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise and keep putting into practice all that you know, all that you've heard from me. <laughs> when I see something wrong or something wrong happens to me, what do I focus on? I focus on what is right and wrong. I focus on good and evil, right and wrong, injustice, separation. I internalize those things, and then, because I am broken, I project them on the people around me. I feel hurt, so I project it on somebody else. I feel offended, I project that on somebody else. I assume that they are doing something that I don't know because do I see the truth? No, I can't see the truth. I can only see what I can see, and I feel what I feel, but that doesn't make it true. <laughs> uh, when somebody does something really horrible to you, do you think pure, lovely, and admirable thoughts about them. <laughs> Any road ragers out there? I'm just saying. Have a little uh, <clears throat> road anxiety. A <laughs> uh, guy cuts you off in traffic and you're like, bless you, I love you. I hope you have a great day. You're a beautiful person. I love your truck. Right? No, right? I don't default to that. I need God to replace my default. When my wife hurts my feelings, which never happens, <laughs> ever. Do I think excellent and worthy of praise things about my spouse when we have conflict between us? Man, it is really easy for me to get my feelings hurt and then allow my feelings to determine what I think about my wife. And it's fast, boom, which is why in the very beginning, I said one very important thing at the top. I'm going to say it again. You must choose. That is a decision that is based on awareness, and the only person who can make you aware is the Holy Spirit. So see, if I'm going to fix my thoughts, and I'm going to focus on what is true and lovely and am, am, uh, admirable, I need the Holy Spirit to bring up awareness in me of what I feel and what, is, what I'm thinking so that he can replace those thoughts and those feelings with the truth that he sees. Because God says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, even when I don't think that. God says he loves you when I don't feel like loving you. I'm, there are times we, we love each other. We love each other in the church. We don't always like each other. Sometimes it's hard to love each other 
to be loving toward each other because we're human. We mess it up. We have hurt inside of us that needs healing. So instead of focusing on the hurt, we focus on what God wants us to focus on and we say, hey God, Holy Spirit, I, I feel the hurt that stirs this up in me. Help me to focus on those things and heal that pain inside of me that's driving my other thoughts. And then, I love this. <laughs> Practice everything. Practice. Anybody, you got, you got kids in athletics, right? What does a kid's soccer practice look like? Little ones? Chaos? Looks like a giant pile of people running around with a ball somewhere in the vicinity, right? There's not even a lot of order. They're just kind of like... Nobody knows how to score. They're just muddling around. But what are they doing? They're practicing. And little by little, you add skills and experience, and you practice some more. God will teach you a little bit more and give you some more skills and a couple more tools, and you practice it some more. Is it okay to make a mistake in a practice? Of course. Is it okay to make a mistake in a game? Of course. Because it's all about learning what God's trying to do in us so that we can live it out better. And when we don't, there's grace and mercy and forgiveness for that. Because it's all about practice. It's all about practice. So how do you move forward and make this sink in a little bit deeper? So we're going to go to Psalm 1-2. And there's a really interesting word in here. It says, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So that word there is really interesting. So if you, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a Bible nerd. So I'm the guy who like blue letter Bible, four different translations, go to the interlinear, looking up Strong's Concordance. Like I can go down like the Bible verse rabbit hole. But this word is really fascinating. It means to murmur, mutter, or grumble under your breath. When things go really, really sideways, what are you muttering under your breath? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and self-control. Maybe not. <laughs> what are you muttering under your breath about yourself? What do you mutter, mutter under your breath about who you are where you came from and where your value comes from? What do you mutter in the mirror when nobody's watching? So how, how in the world do you meditate? How do you chew on this and then know enough to murmur and mutter it under your breath? So here's what I found out. In the, in the New Testament, the, the tradition with the Jews was that they would read the Psalms every day. They would usually finish all of the Psalms every month, and they would just read them over and over and over again, because if you read them over and over and over again, eventually what's going to happen? 
Yeah, you're going to know them. So when I was younger, I used to get kind of offended because they'd be like, you need to memorize scripture. And it felt very legalistic. You know, like you should, you know, any Awana, any Awana people in here, right? You have to learn Bible verses so you can win prizes. I uh, know. I'm the only, I'm the only old school Baptist Awana kid in here, I guess. Uh, but we had to, we were forced to memorize Bible verses to win prizes we didn't want on uniforms we didn't want to wear even in the 80s. I'm just going to be honest, they were bad. They are bad. <sighs> like the, the ascot thing with a, it was like a, oh my gosh, it was horrible. <laughs> but we need to meditate on it. So how do we practice on these things and chew on them all day? So I'm going to tell you one that I've been working on. So yes, should you read your Bible? Yes. Here's where I got stuck, so this is me. <laughs> I do not, I, I cannot follow a reading plan because a reading plan becomes an obligation and an obli obligation loses its power and authority in my heart. So it's not me. Now, if that works for you, you do you. But for me, I can't do that because I don't remember what I read. I'm too busy trying to read it all. So here's what I started doing. I started reading the Psalms like Jesus would have done, where he, is, he would go to meditate, meaning he is murmuring the psalms to himself. And then I just try to read maybe one psalm, maybe half a psalm. Or this morning, I'm reading Psalm 43. This isn't in the slides, so don't worry about it. This is this morning. I'm just kind of like slow rolling it. Psalm 43, 5. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God, I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. That was a gift for me this morning. Why am I discouraged? Why am I so sad? I will praise the Lord. Say it again. I will praise the Lord. See, he's going to give you what you need so that when something happens to you, instead of murmuring and grumbling and muttering under your breath the things you used to say, now you can say, why am I so discouraged? Why am I sad? Yeah. Ah, my hope is in the Lord, my Savior and my God. I don't have to go, I'm having a bad day. This is horrible. This is terrible. And they'll follow it all the way down that road. And go, no, Lord, why? Why am I so sad? I'm going to lift my eyes. I'm going to focus on the Lord. If my help comes from other Lord, why? Why am I so sad and discouraged? My hope is in you, not in me. My hope is in you, not in the world. My hope is in you, not in my works. It is not in my behavior. My hope is not in my wife. It's not in my kids. It's not even in Dave or Brandon. Our hope isn't here. Our hope is in the Lord and his presence is in us and with us. I got to chew on that. I need to be able to mutter that and mumble that and grumble that because sometimes you just got to grumble. But I need to grumble that instead of what I normally grumble. I got to replace it. See, there is power in the tongue. What you say matters. The Bible says there is power that we hold the power of life and death in the tongue. What I murmur and grumble matters. So do I murmur and grumble and mutter the Psalms? Where God is my hope and salvation? Where when I walk through the valley of the darkest shadow, he will be with me? I, 
My, daughter, my daughter's favorite verse, uh, Isaiah 43, 2, right? When I go through the waters, he'll be with me. When I go into the deep waters, he will take care of me. When I walk through the fire, I won't be burned. I need to know that. Because there are days when I feel like I'm going to get the feet swept out from underneath. There are days when I'm going to feel like the water's going over my head. There are days where somebody's going to do something and I'm going to feel burned. But God says, I'll be with you. And I'll be with you through it. But I can't do that in the moment if it isn't already in there. I got I to gotta get it in there, and I got to get it in there deep enough and hard enough. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tear down the stronghold of the enemy, and I'm going to build an altar to God right there. I'm going to say, okay, God, I'm going to put this verse on here. I'm going to put this verse on here. I'm going to say, okay, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. That God is always with me. That the waters won't fly over me. That I will not be burned. Because I got to go back to that if I don't replace who I am with who he is, if I don't replace my thoughts with his thoughts, then all I'm doing is dragging me into all that stuff. And that means I'm dragging all the baggage that I haven't let go of yet with me into every single relationship that I have. And God can't use me the way that he wants to use me if he doesn't replace me with him. So I better chew on that. So for me, to get real practical, I need to read the Bible, but I've got to read it differently than I thought I did. I've tried a bunch of different stuff, but this is what I've got to do. And when I get to the end of the Psalms, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go back to the beginning and start them again because I need that to sink in deeper. You need to read a book, get an audio book. Winning the War in Your Mind, Battlefield of the Mind, Crash the Chatterbox. There's tons of them. Why? Because it, again, it, it repeats it and gets it deeper in your mind because you, you hear it over. I need repetition, y'all. The first time I hear something, I don't get it. The first time I heard the song, right, Your Way is Better, I, I liked it, but I didn't know it. Now I know it. Now I can stand over here and I can sing it with my eyes closed. Why? Because it's in here. I can say, okay, break it down. Break down me. Break down all the things that I got. Break it all down because your way is better. And now I can sing that and I can sing it deeper and from my heart because it is filling me with him and focus me, focusing me on him and taking me completely out of it and replacing me because his way is better. I found out that I have to write. I don't have a choice. I have to write. So written some books, done some devotion, whatever. If nobody else ever reads them ever again, it still has served its purpose because it allowed me to process what God was putting on my heart. I have to write. So whether you're journaling or you're doing what I'm doing, whatever you're doing, you got to do it. Do whatever God's telling you to do. I have to choose help often and be grateful that God will help me. I have to ask help from the Holy Spirit and my brothers and sisters, which tells me I need to be in a small group. So for those of you who went, you can see the color. I wore it today for a reason. This is from Freedom Conference. I'm, you know, this is from Freedom Conference. If it was not for my brothers and sisters out here, the ones who love me and pour into me in my darkness, through the failure, in my bad place, if it wasn't for them, there are times where I can't turn my eyes. I need them to help lift my head. I need my brothers. I need my sisters. I need outside perspective because when you're up in the middle of it, you can't see. 
but they can see and they can speak into you in a small group and you can be like, I need to be honest, this is where I'm at right now. I did that. We had a bad day. I had a bad day with a coach. I wanted to say some things I was not supposed to say and do some things I haven't wanted to do in a long time. And I sat down in the Bible, in our small group for Freedom Group, and I was like, guys, before we do anything having to do with Jesus, this is where I'm at right now. Because if I don't get that out of my way, I can't even hear what you have to say. I'm not open to anything that God wants to do because I'm, I'm angry and I'm frustrated and I'm hurt and I want to protect my kid and I was all fired up. And you know what they did? They came around me and they prayed for me. And they asked that God would replace me with him, replace the anger with his love, replace my frustration, and then to go in and find places where I need healing. Because then he can heal me. Then I don't have to go back to that place ever again. Won't you stand with me? Because here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus, that's first. Because before you can do any of this work, before he can do any of this work in you, first you must have him. First you must have him. So we're going to pray. If you've never accepted Christ, this is your opportunity so that you can do it. Because here's the thing. All I'm asking you to do is to do something. I don't know what you need to do. Maybe you need to write. Maybe you need to read. Maybe to, I don't know what you need to do, but don't do nothing. Do not walk out of this building and do nothing. At least do something. Find one thing that changes your perspective. Find one person who can speak into your life. Find one small group that you can get into because all you need to do is start one thing and then he'll show you the next thing because guess what? God is good and he is faithful and he wants you to grow and he wants you to grow close to him and deeper in your relationship with him. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for this church, the people in this church, for, for your word, for the love that you bring. Work in us and through us. Change the way we think. Change the way we live. Change our hearts, our minds. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. If you've never received Christ, I want everybody in the house to repeat this with me. Dear God, thank you for Jesus, for dying on the cross to pay for me because you loved me before I deserved it. Forgive me, heal me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm grateful. Give it a hand for what God's doing.